And aren't you glad that we have a friend we can go to? Aren't you glad we have Jesus that we can go to anytime, day, night, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. He's invited us to come. He never tires of our coming. He's always ready to hear us, always ready to help us. What a wonderful, marvelous Savior we have and how blessed we are tonight to know Him, to have Him, to be able to serve Him and to be here back in his house this evening. What a wonderful day it's been. Uh, a little hot again out there. But they say we're going to get a little break this week. So everybody take hope. Uh, just remember though when you're undergoing all this heat. That's not nearly as hot as it is in another place. That none of us want to go to. So uh, just uh, j just remember that when you're, when you're trying to endure this heat. Well, it is good to see you back in the house of the Lord this evening. Trust you've had a great afternoon and that the Lord has just ministered to you in a very, very special way. Open your Bibles tonight to Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will, please, for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read the first seven verses, and you may just want to leave your uh, Bible open because we are going to be referring to several other passages tonight. And you may want to just follow right along uh, with what we're going to be talking about. So much of this is written in such plain language and in ways that it's easy to follow. Uh, sometimes you do need a little help perhaps in understanding it and seeing where the writer is going. But it's very, very clear the things that are being said. Revelation 5, we begin with verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne... A book written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open this book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, no man on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to even look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and one of the four beasts, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain from the foundation of the earth, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And I want to begin tonight what's going to probably take both of the services next Sunday to finish. I want to start us to start looking at what we call the time of judgment. The rapture's taken place. The Lord has already gathered with his people yonder. And all of the things that we've already talked about have started on earth. The people, the principal players, the trinity of hell has appeared and they're in charge now of this world. And in the midst of all of that, once that is in place, the time of judgment 
is going to begin. And we're going to start looking at that tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have not left us clueless. You've not left us in the dark. You've not left us to stumble along by ourselves. But you have pointed to us the way, the truth, the life. You've given us light for the journey. You've given us the ability to seek you and to escape the judgments and the things that are coming on this earth. Father, I pray in these next few minutes you'll anoint your servant to break this down and do it in a way that our hearts will be open, our minds can conceive and receive, and we'll be able to understand at least some of the things that are coming on this earth in days to come. Guide and direct these next few minutes, we pray. We'll thank you for it, for we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. In these last couple of Sundays, we've started looking at what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. We've looked at the personalities that are going to be in charge of all of these activities. The seven years that all of this is going on here on the earth. We looked this morning at the Trinity of Hell that's literally going to be in charge, it seems, on the surface. They're going to be in charge of the things in this world. But tonight I want us then to begin to look at the coming judgments on this earth. You see, just about the time the Trinity of Hell thinks it's got everything under control, God's going to begin to pour out judgment upon this earth and upon this old world. The Bible makes it clear that after the church is raptured out of this world, God is literally going to wage war on the powers of darkness and on the forces of wickedness that are holding sway over this earth. You see, it looks like on the surface even now, and, and it looked more like it then, uh, as this trinity of hell takes over the earth, it looks like that they are winning. It looks like, I don't know about you, but I, but I get the feeling even today that sometimes the forces of darkness are almost winning. It, it, it looks like they're literally taking control but how many of you know one of these days, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the wickedness and the darkness and the things that are tearing this world apart and the things that the devil is doing to destroy humankind. One of these days, God is going to declare open warfare and going to go to war on the powers of darkness. For over 2,000 years now, God has been trying to do the opposite. For 2,000 years, he has been trying to make peace through the blood of an old rugged cross. For 2,000 years, he said to humankind, why don't you come? Why don't you come to the foot of the cross and find peace and joy and forgiveness and salvation? Why don't you come? He's been trying for 2,000 years to bring everybody that will. His marvelous grace has been extended to humankind. But now, at this point, the time of judgment has come. The day of grace is over. The day of grace is over. 
for the most part. There still be some saved, but for the most part, the day of grace is ended. And now the time of judgment has come on this old earth. All of that begins here in chapter 5. You'll notice in chapter 5 that as it opens that John, and keep in mind John is seeing all this. He's out on the Isle of Patmos, been put out there for his testimony for the Lord's sake. He's in exile on the Isle of Patmos. And while out there, he, the Lord gives him this vision of the entire book of Revelation and tells him to write it down. John is out there, and in this opening of the fifth chapter, John sees somebody sitting on the throne of glory, on the throne of heaven, God himself. And he's holding a book that is bound with seven seals, a scroll, a book or a scroll that is bound with seven seals. That little book, and I don't have time to go into it, it's a very interesting sermon within itself. That little book represents the title deed to planet earth. You know there's a title deed to planet earth. God, when he created Adam and Eve, gave them that title deed. He gave them the deed to the earth and said, here, the earth is yours. Everything in it, everything on it, everything in this earth belongs to you except for one tree. Don't touch it. And guess what they did? Isn't that just like us? I'll give you everything on here's the in fact here's the title deed to the he gave, he literally gave them the title deed to the earth and said anything on this planet anything on this earth is yours but one tree don't touch it and you know what happened I, I better watch it I'll get into that it's such an interesting story to tell as John gazes upon that throne and the one that is holding that title deed. A call goes forth for somebody that can open the seals and unleash and release the things that need to happen on this earth in order for that title deed to be set back in place. The call comes for someone that can open it. But no one responded. No one in heaven. No one in earth. No one beneath the earth. Nobody seemingly had the right nor the authority of all the millions of people that have ever lived, look at this, not one single individual was found who could open this book and govern this world. Of all the people that have ever lived, not one person was found that was worthy to open the seals, take the deed back, and rule this earth. And because of that, John begins to weep. Somehow he grasps what that little book is about and what it represents, the title deed to this earth and to humanity. And John begins to weep. But one of the four and twenty elders comes to him in verse 5 and he says, Weep not, for behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book. John opens his eyes expecting to see a lion. He said, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. John turns around, opens his eyes, looking for a lion. But instead, he sees a lamb. And the word that's used here is a little lamb. He sees a little lamb, not a lion. He sees a lamb. It's interesting to note, isn't it? I think this, these little parallel things are just so interesting. 
Satan has a great red dragon. He has a beast out of the sea. He has armies numbered in the billions, but none of them are worthy to open that book. But God has a little lamb. <laughs> the dragon can't do it. The beast can't do it. The armies of the Antichrist can't do it. Nobody the devil has can touch that book. But God has a little lamb. And of course we know that that little lamb is none other than his dear son. The lamb of God that purchased our salvation and bought our redemption. That lamb takes the book. The lamb reaches and takes the book. And all of a sudden all of heaven goes into singing. All of heaven goes into rejoicing. All of heaven goes into praise. And everything else that happens in this book. From here on in Revelation stems from the fact that the Lamb was able to open the book. That there is one in this universe that is able to take back everything the devil has stolen. Everything the devil has taken back across the centuries. Everything he's messed up. Everything he's ruined. Everything he's put his vile hands upon. There is one that's able to take it back. <laughs> there is one that is able to take it back and able to fix it. And the Lamb of God reaches out and takes that book. It all comes down to that. And from start to finish, from start to finish, the Lamb is going to now be in control. The Lamb is going to be in control. You know why? You remember the verse up quoted to you earlier in one of the sermons because God has committed all judgment to the Son. The Lamb is the only one that can bring about the judgments. The Lamb is the only one that's paid with His blood the price to do that. And now, from this point on in human history, all things are going to step by step begin belonging to the Lamb. Begin belonging to the one that's going to sit on the throne through the ceaseless ages of eternity. Step by step, it's now going to begin to belong to him. God has committed all judgment to him. And as he breaks the seals on this book, the stage is going to set for the judgments of the apocalypse to begin. As he begins to break these seals, the judgments of the apocalypse now start. All of these judgments unfold in three major series of judgments. There's going to be the seal judgments that we're going to look at tonight. Then there'll be the trumpet judgments. And then there'll be the vial, V-I-A-L, the vial judge. Seven vials are going to be open and emptied on the earth. And as these judgments proceed... Each group of these judgments is going to have an ascending scale of severity. They're going to get worse and worse and worse. So everything I tell you tonight, it's just going to get worse from here. It's just going to get worse from there. There will be three series of these judgments and the Lord willing will be looking at them. Now one of the arguments over this book, and let me mention this before we get into them. One of the arguments over this book is how to interpret these judgments. Are they to be taken literally or sometimes in symbolic fashion? And I think both are true. 
I think there are times, and so I'm going to point out some of the, you'll hear me say this is symbolic of. I'm going to point that out as we go along. Because I think there's a mixture of symbolic activities and then actual, actual activities that are going to be taking place that will be literal. We don't know for sure just how it all balances out. But either way, whether symbolic or actual, the results are going to be the same. No matter how it happens, no, no matter what method God uses, a symbolic method or a literal thing, no matter how it happens, the results to this earth and the people of this earth, the results are going to be the same. All right, with your Bibles open, let's look at chapter 6 and chapter 8. That's where these seals are mentioned. If you want to follow along, look at chapter 6, chapter 8. We'll start here with chapter 6. We'll notice the first four seals. I want you to notice these. The first four seals are linked together by the appearance of a horse and a rider. These are often referred to as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Maybe you've heard that phrase, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's who they're talking about. These first four seals that are broken and the horses and the riders that appeal, uh, that appear. Now you need to realize these riders are not actual persons. They are personifications of what's going to be happening and what's going on. In other words, they symbolize the forces. These riders symbolize the forces that are going to be let loose on this earth. They symbolize the powers and the forces that God is going to use here on this earth. Well, let's look at the first seal. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. The first seal is broken and a white horse appears. And the rider on that horse has a bow and a crown. And the Bible says that he goes forth conquering and to conquer. Now what does that mean? This first rider goes out, he appears, and he goes forth conquering and to conquer. Well, in the Bible, the horse is often used as a symbol of war. So often when you read of horses in the Bible... They're used as symbols of war. And that certainly is what this one represents and what is going on here. The first seal is broken and this rider goes forth to begin to make war on the earth. He'll do it in a lot of places. He'll do it in a lot of ways. But war is going to break out across this planet. It's going to be a different kind of war though this first part of it. This first part is going to be a bloodless war. Notice it's a white horse. So this first rider going forth to war is going to start a bloodless war. What does that mean? It simply means this. This rider represents all of the anti-God and anti-Christ ideologies of the last days. How many of you know and recognize the ideologies that are being let loose on this earth today? The, 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 the ideologies that are literally ruining this planet. A, a couple just quick examples that come to mind right now for our day is this idea that the fetus in the mother's belly is nothing more than a blob. What kind of wicked, vile ideology is that? How about the 
ideology they're teaching your children in school now that you ain't born a man or a woman. You've got to decide which you are. I could tell them real quick how to figure it out. Look down below your belly button. Now we laugh at that. But do you understand there's a whole generation that is believing that? Do, do you understand that? I think we have to be careful here because sometimes these things are so stupid. We laugh at them. But you better understand there is a whole generation that literally believes, that literally believes this kind of junk. The ideologies of this world. The ideologies of this world is more and more the ideologies of this world are becoming wicked and they're let loose now when this rider goes forth to war he is turning loose he is letting loose the, the ideologies of this world to literally rip this world apart he's making war through ideology he's making war we don't read of him shedding any blood He's making war through the ideologies that are good. If you think those ideologies are running rampant now, you wait till then. If you think this craziness is crazy and wild now, you wait till then if you're still here. I don't intend to be here. But this writer goes forth to unleash to this world the ideologies that are literally going to destroy this planet. Then the second seal comes, verses 3 and 4. This time a red horse appears. The first one is a white horse. The second time a red horse, verses 3 to 4. He opened the second seal. There went out another horse with power to take peace from the earth that they should kill one another and given over to a great sword. Now here we said the first horse is a bloodless war. It's a war of ideas. It's a war of ideologies where the world is just, just destroyed because of the crazy ideologies that's going to be put forth by this trinity of hell and all of his forces and all of his powers. But now, this writer is given a sword and he's given the power, watch this, to take peace from the earth. And little by little, now, now keep in mind, all this doesn't happen overnight. But little by little, there's going to be bloody hostilities that are going to literally begin to destroy the nations. This rider goes forth with a sword in his hand. And the Bible basically says here, if you look at it and study it out, the Bible basically says that peace is taken from the earth. Can you imagine living in a world where there simply is no peace? Now, we, we have a lot of wars. We have a lot of contention. Sometimes we feel like the whole planet is boiling. But the truth is, there are still pockets and places of peace on this earth. There is peace. But can you imagine what this world's going to be like when all peace is taken off the face of this planet? And there is no peace to be found whatsoever. That's what's going to happen when this rider's turned loose. The crazy ideologies are now ruining the world. People are 
People are believing the wildest, craziest, that they're entering into the wildest, filthiest thing you can imagine. And suddenly peace is taken from the earth. No peace to mankind. No peace can be found. No safe haven can be found. No peaceful place can be found. It's gone. Peace is gone. The third seal is broken in verses 5 to 6. And a black horse goes forth. This rider is carrying a pair of balances in his hands. And as you read it in verses 5 and 6, we realize that it symbolizes famine and privation and shortages. Look in verse 5. It says, And when he had opened the seal, he saw the horse and heard a voice saying, A measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see that they hurt not the oil nor the wine. In other words, when this rider goes forth, suddenly great famine and privation and shortages are going to start sweeping the earth. Now, now stack these things up in your mind. First of all, the ideologies of the world have just gone crazy. There's, the, 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 the ideologies are just, you think there's wild stuff going on now, you wait till in. And now peace is gone. There's nowhere you can find peace. There's nowhere you can go to find peace. And now, on top of that, famine and privation and shortages and starvation is going to begin. We're already living in a world that's running out of natural resources. We're already living in a world where food shortages are now a common thing. But the Bible says here that in this day, a penny, and keep in mind, in Jesus' day, a penny represented a day's wage. We, we might think a penny a little burn. No, no. In Bible terms, when it says a penny, it represents what you'd make in a whole day of working. Everything you'd make, the word penny describes it. In other words, it says that a whole day's wage will only buy one-eighth of the normal supply of food. Back in Jesus' day, a day's wage bought eight measures of wheat and 24 things of barley. But now it's going to be stripped down to this because in Jesus' day, a penny bought a whole day's Bought a whole day's supply. Now a penny just buys, a penny just buys eight measures of wheat and twenty-four ounces of barley. In other words, everything you could earn in a day that people could be earning will buy only one eighth of the food they normally have and normally need. Think about your lunch today. What if from your plate suddenly? What if from your plate suddenly? Seven percent, seventy percent, seven out of eight bites, let's put it that way. Seven out of eight bites off your plate just disappeared. And there would be no other meal. That's the only meal you're going to get. You understand the starvation? You understand what's about to hit this world when this seal is unleashed? Starvation, want, people will begin to get hungry. They'll have not to eat what they need to eat. The ideologies of this world have just gone absolutely insane. There is no peace on the earth. Now there's no adequate food on the earth. And these are just the beginning of sorrows. 
These are just the beginning of troubles. Then the fourth seal is opened. And a pale horse, verses 7 to 8. When he opened the fourth seal, I saw a pale horse. The name, the name that sat on him was death and hell followed after him. And power was given to them to kill with sword, hunger and death and beast of the earth to kill one third or one fourth of the population. You realize when this horse is let loose, this rider is death and hell follows him. Now hell there, that's one of those personification things. That's one of the symbols. But it's like, I, 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 sometimes you just don't know how to explain, but it's like hell itself opens up and rises up to follow the rider around on the earth. He's come to bring death and right behind him are the raw, naked forces of hell right behind him. And the Bible says power is given unto him to kill, to kill one-fourth of the population. How will he do it? With sword, famine, plague, and I believe even wild beasts will be turned loose upon us. I believe through all of those things, through all of those things, Death is going to creep across this planet. Death is going to creep across this planet. So the four horses of the apocalypse have now been set loose. The four horses and all of these things that we've just said they mentioned, all of those things are going to be now unfolding. All of those things are going to begin to start and and as they once they start they will increase. In fact, watch this. Have you noticed something about these riders? Once they are sent forth, nowhere in the book of Revelation do you hear about them being recalled, brought back in. Once they start what they're doing, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Once the famine starts, the famine will not be released. Once death starts, death will not be satisfied. Once the wild ideas and the crazy, insane stuff that the trinity of hell turns loose, none of it will be reined in. Once they start, once the riders go out, nowhere are they seen to be brought back in and to end until the end has come. Once they start, they will simply be intensified. The fifth seal is open, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. The fifth seal is open. He opened the fifth seal, and under the altar I saw the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. Watch this now. That were slain for the word of God. They cried with a loud voice, how long till somebody judges and avenges our blood? The white robes were given unto them and it was said to them that they should rest for a little while until the rest of their fellow brethren were killed. What's going on here? He is seeing the souls of them that are slain for the word of God as this tribulation begins to unfold. I told you there'll be people saved, but there'll be people killed. In fact, if you get saved and you refuse to follow the Antichrist, take his mark and do the, you, you'll be slain. The 
probability is that you will be, you won't live to die natural. First of all, the whole thing's going to last seven years. You won't die a natural death. You'll be killed. Once, once you refuse to bow to the beast, once you refuse to bow to the image, once you refuse to receive the mark, once you refuse to do all those things we talked about, they'll mark you for death. John said, I heard a multitude crying, saying, oh God, who will avenge our blood? <laughs> They've been slain for their testimony. They've been slain for the blood of the Lamb. These are the martyrs. Not of the church age. These are the martyrs that have occurred during the rapture, after or since the rapture. They will give their life for their testimony. And as they offer this cry, the answer is given that they need to wait until their fellow servants and brethren come in too. In other words, just be patient. There's more going to die. There's more of you that will come to you. There's more that'll come. In other words, I've said it this morning. I believe every person that's not ready for the rapture that does finally make it will have to give their life. You will give your life. I've had people say to me almost nonchalantly, well, preacher, I, I know, but, but you know, if I don't make it, I'll, I, I'll realize, I, I, I'll know then, I don't take that mark of the beast, so I, I'll, I, I'll, oh, will you? You can't live right now. As I said this morning, you can't live right now, and suddenly you're going to find the courage to have them chop your head off. Yeah, right. Well, there will be some that will. But isn't it sad that now you could just live for him and die and go to heaven? And then, because you messed around and played around, he give you life. You have to shed your blood. And apparently thousands upon thousands will do it. There'll be people that somehow will do it. Jesus says to them, or the, or the writer says to John, wait a minute, there's more coming. There's more coming. There's more coming. There's more that are going to die. And they have to wait till their fellow servants are ready to go. And then the sixth seal is open. Chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. He opened the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree crashes and, ca and, and casteth her untimely figs. The heavens opened as a scroll. Mountains and islands were moved from their places. The mountains and islands were moved. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and free man, listen to this, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and called on them to fall on us from the face of him that sits on the throne. Wow, it's getting tough now. It's getting tough now. As if the first five aren't enough. The sixth seal breaks and great convulsions are going to take place on this earth. The Bible says that islands will suddenly be moved out of their place. Mountains are suddenly going to be... Every time I go to the mountains, look at those majestic Blue Ridge Mountains. Just about every time, I'll think a lot of times of this scripture. 
Wonder if any of these mountains would just suddenly be just be gone, be moved, be shaken. Mountains are going to be moved. The earth is going to trim. The earth is going to go into convulsions. Islands are going to disappear. Wonder what CNN will do when Hawaii just suddenly disappears. It's not an island, but God help you. I've got a feeling Myrtle Beach may disappear. What, what's, what's going to happen? What, well, what is it? What, what are you? Are you putting all this together? Keep in mind, from, from, from the first seal right on up now, we're up to six. And it's just stacking up on one on the other. Famine, no peace, all the wild, crazy ideologies. The horses are loose, killing and slaying. Beasts are roaming the earth, killing and slaying. And now all of a sudden, the earth begins to convulse. Islands disappear, mountains disappear. I believe part of this language is also some of that symbolic language. I believe you're not only seeing literally these things disappear, but I believe you also have a description here of the breakup of the old establishment on earth. Let me explain that. In the Bible, the sun, the moon, and the stars, when it talks about stars falling from their sockets, and it talks about all these things, I believe some of that will happen. But also in the Bible, those things often represent ruling powers. How many times are ruling powers referred to as the sun, the stars, are referred to as heavenly constellations? I believe that what you're going to see in this shaking is not only the literal elements of nature, but I believe you're going to see the breakup of the old establishment. In other words, nations of the earth are going to be shaken to the point that they begin to realign themselves for the awful events that are to come. Keep in mind, this world is going to realign itself to the point that one day it's going to think it can go out and whip the lamb at Armageddon. We'll preach about that, Lord willing, in one of these coming sermons. I think here's where you see the, the coming together of these confederations. You're going to see new confederations forming. And again, I, I can't get into all this, but, but, but the Bible talks about the old Roman Empire, Russia, the Eastern nations, the way they're coming together. They'll come down for Armageddon from the north into Israel. They're going to come against Israel. They're going to gather. What you're seeing here is the convulsing of the nation, the convulsing of Mother Nature, the convulsions of, uh, uh, of the systems as they are, realigning themselves for the final wars and the final battles. Can you imagine in all of this the chaos that's going to be going on on this? Put, put all this together. Look at this stack of things we've just stacked up here. Can you even begin to imagine the chaos that's going to be going on on this earth? You're hungry. You can find no place of peace. The nations are being shaken. Islands are disappearing. Mountains are being moved. A fourth of humankind's being killed by animals and sword and all kinds of things. One out of every four people you know is dying or being slain. Can you imagine by now 
What's piling up? What's going to be going on? You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24? About these days that I'm describing here under the seals? He said, these are only the beginning of sorrows. You think all this is something? We not only got the seals to go, we got the trumpets to go and the vials of judgment to go. We got two more rounds of seven to go here. We've got two more rounds of seven judgments. Fourteen more judgments to come. These, Jesus said, are only the beginning. These seven seals are only the beginning of sorrows. Last one, seventh seal. This scene is cast in heaven. Suddenly we go back to heaven. Chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. Chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. The seventh seal is broken and there's silence in heaven about the space of an hour or half an hour. And I saw, watch this, I saw seven angels stand before God and to them were given seven trumpets. Each one given a trumpet. And another angel came having a golden censer and giving to him incense and it was offered with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar. The smoke of the incense came and the prayers of the saints ascended before God. The angel took the censer filled with fire and cast it to the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes. And the seven angels prepared to sound their trumpets. Wave two is coming. The seventh seal is open and the stage is set. Notice two or three things happen here. First of all, there's silence in heaven. So far as I can tell, this is the only occasion in recorded history that heaven is silent. I don't know of any other place in recorded history after creation that heaven was silent. The Bible says day and night the elders fall before him crying, holy, holy, heaven is never silent. There's always praising and worship. And... But now suddenly heaven goes deathly silent. Can you even begin to imagine what that's going to seem like? All this is being poured out on the earth. The earth is convulsing. The heavens are now convulsing. Stars are falling out of their sockets. And suddenly everything in heaven goes silent. And in the midst of that silence, it is broken. And a presentation is made to God of the prayers of the afflicted people on this earth. The people that are trying to come to him. The people that somehow recognize enough and, 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 and still want a chance. 
Their prayers are brought up to God. How many of you know that even in this time, even the people that have messed around and wasn't ready to go, he's still hearing their prayers if they want to pray. <laughs> Should you doubt that he hears your prayers now? If he'll hear their prayers then, don't you know he'll hear your prayers now? Don't you know he'll hear your prayers now? <laughs> He'll hear your prayers now. And suddenly a presentation in the midst of this silence is made to God of the prayers that are the people on earth that are crying out for mercy and forgiveness and pardon. Their prayers are offered to God. And when they are, the Bible says then that suddenly seven angels appear. And those angels are given trumpets. Those angels are given trumpets. And a new dimension of horror is about to break loose on humankind. A new dimension of horror is about to come. And that's where we pick up next Sunday morning, the Lord willing. The trumpets are going to begin to sound. And if you think it's bad with what I've described tonight, if you think it's bad then, you wait till the angels start sounding their trumpets. Folks, you don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. I think of the words of that old song, Rhonda, we used to sing, Where will you be? When the great trumpet sounds, when the trump sounds and the Lord comes and the church is raptured out of here, we used to sing that song, where will you be? That's the trumpet I want to hear. I don't want to hear these trumpets. I guess we'll, I don't know if it, we may, we'll probably be so busy partying in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we won't even hear them. We won't even pay attention to them. We're going to be having a glory, hallelujah time over yonder. I don't want to hear these trumpets. I don't want to be I don't want to be here when the seals are broken. Do you? I don't want to be. Would you stand with me? Come on, Rhonda. Would you stand? I don't know about you, but when I go through this material and I take the time to think and realize and look at what the Word of God tells me about what's coming on this earth. It just makes me more determined than ever that I want to hold to His unchanging hand. I don't know about you tonight, but I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be left. I want to be ready. When that great trumpet sounds. I want to have my wedding garment on. I want to have my lamps all trimmed and burning. I want to be ready. But folks, you have to get ready. He won't make you ready. He won't force you to be ready. You have to make up your mind to get ready and stay ready.
It's not just a matter of getting ready. Kicking your shoes off and sitting back saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Come on, you want to. Don't work that way. I want to be watching, waiting. I want to be doing the things he's asked me to do. I want to be ready when that great trumpet sound. How many of you feel that way tonight? Come on, let's get around this altar and just talk to him for a few minutes.